In one of the greatest tragedies ever written, Macbeth, Shakespeare says this, Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. We're starting a series now that is deeply tied to this quote. This quote reflects a a worldview that uh, there is no true meaning in the world. There is no true significance in the world. Everything that happens uh, in this life is just uh, foolishness, stupidity. And uh, I bring this up because we're starting a series called uh, Fundamentals of the Faith, God's Plan for Everything. And when you have a title with the subtitle, God's Plan for Everything, there's obviously a lot of assumptions and a lot of thoughts that are loaded into that title. Because for uh, something to be called God's Plan for Everything means that God has to exist and that he has to have a plan for everything. Now, uh, in this study, we're, we're not going to start by proving that God exists and then presenting his plan for everything. Rather, we're going to be presenting the plan of God and offer it as proof that he exists. And uh, as we're going through this study, there are going to be uh, certain key questions that we're going to uh, focus on and that we're going to answer. And, and part of the purpose of this study isn't just to form, inform you, but to equip you. And I, I don't, I've used this illustration before to this crowd. That's a, the problem with having uh, the same person up in front of you say, uh, so many times. I eventually have to recycle uh, the illustrations. But uh, I was once going on a backpacking trip. And as I was preparing for this backpacking trip, I was talking to my brother-in-law. And uh, he said, hey, I've got another friend who's going to come along with us. I said, oh, oh, great, tell me a little bit about him. He said, well, you know, he's, he's obsessed with worst-case survival scenarios. You know, he reads all these books, he watches all these shows where people are preparing for, you know, you know po- post-apocalyptic life, some, after huge disasters, you know, if society collapses or turns on, on itself or a war wipes out everything, and, you know, we went back to a primitive state, how would you survive? He said he's obsessed with that type of stuff. He reads it, he watches it, and I thought, oh, wow, this will be interesting. This guy will be, you know, rugged and ready. Uh, well, the morning comes, and I, I go over to my brother-in-law's early in the morning so uh, we can get a, a fresh start. And as we're loading stuff in his car, I said, hey, where's your buddy? He says, uh, he, he didn't make it. I said, oh, what, ha- what happened? Did he get sick? What happened? He says, well, there's rain in the forecast. <laughs> and he didn't want to get wet. So now, he was informed about how to deal with all these disasters, but he wasn't equipped to deal with a little bit of rain. (laughs) So in this series, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to give you tools, resources, to be able to not just think about these things, but to be able to respond and interact with people, either believers or unbelievers, as to what you believe and why. 
And part of the way we're going to do this is, is by answering questions. Uh, the first question we're going to address is, is there any purpose or direction in life? Is there any purpose or direction in life? And the quote we talked about earlier from Shakespeare, Macbeth at that point says the answer to that question is no. By the way, how you answer this question is going to radically change your life. There's going to be certain ways you answer this question that is going to give you a completely different way to live. So this is our question. I'm going to go ahead and front load things and and give you the answer. Uh, The answer is God controls all events, past, present, and future, by his power and wisdom. God controls all events, past, present, and future, by his power and wisdom. In other words, yes. There is purpose and direction in this life. And we've already looked at one passage. Uh, Joe read it at the beginning, uh, but let's look at it again. It's in Isaiah 46, and I want you to hear this. Isaiah 46, uh, verses 9 and 10, just the second half of verse uh, 40, uh, sorry, chapter, verse 9 of Isaiah 46. says, For I am God, and there is no other. For I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. We have in in this passage a declaration from God uh, that He is God and that there is no one like Him, that he, He is unique in His Godness. And part of what God accomplishes in his uniqueness, in his godness, is the ability to accomplish whatever he sets out to accomplish. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty nice. If everything you determined happened, how impressive would that be? You know, you would want to hire that guy right away. Uh, but in our own lives, it's like you, you set out to do something, you, you set out to accomplish something, and then what happens? Some unforeseen circumstance happens. Something unplanned comes up. There's a problem you can't overcome. There's an issue that you didn't know about. And God says, that never happens to me. My plans, my purposes are never thwarted. He says, my counsel shall stand. He says, I declare the end from the beginning. I can tell how things are going to end, even before they start. You know, it's interesting when we think about our lives, uh, and I think about this especially around Christmas time and Easter, is the prophecies that are about Christ's birth and Christ's death. If you want to talk about areas of your life you have absolutely uh, no control over, it's where you were born. Don't have much control over that. You you weren't given a vote. You didn't get to decide that. And how you die. Anybody know how they're going to die? Anybody know what that's going to look like? No, of course not. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know the minute. 
I, I had a uh, teacher in, in Bible college um, who decided that there was going to be a certain day and it was going to be the last day of his life. So before he knew Christ. Um, he started out by attempting to hang himself, but the rope broke. He then attempted to shoot himself, but the gun backfired. He then attempted to fall on a knife, and the handle broke. God was sovereignly protecting him from himself so that he could later on get to know Christ. Even sometimes when we think, hey, I might be able to determine when I die, when I pass away. We aren't in control of these things. Here God says, the beginning, the end, I have all control over it. I accomplish my purpose. My counsel shall stand. One of the things I want you to notice in this verse, and by the way, I think it's a mistake that can infect the church even, is that God doesn't say, I see the future. I can tell what's going to happen. No, he, he says, I purpose what happens. My, my counsel is what causes it to ha- happen. I will accomplish my purpose. His purposes determine what occurs in the future. As, as we look at these things, I, I want you to know that these are the reasons why we come to this definitive answer of, you know, God controls all things, all events, past, present, future, by His power and wisdom. And I want you to know that this is a view that's opposed in our day and age. Uh, there's opposing secular viewpoints to this position. Uh, we, we read Macbeth, but uh, Macbeth has kind of an underlying theme uh, in, in Macbeth's viewpoint of nihilism. Things don't matter. There's no purpose. There's no rhyme. There's, we also have the uh, opposing secular view, viewpoint of atheism. And I want to read you a few quotes. Um, you know, I ha- in these quotes, I have philosophers, I have writers, and I have somebody, uh, a, a movie, as well as a comic book. So it, it's pervasive throughout the culture. It's not just in one area or another. Uh, l- listen to these and see, see if you can see how they answer this question. Is there any purpose or direction of life? The first quote is from Joseph Campbell. Life is like arriving late for a movie... Having to figure out what's going on without bothering everybody with a lot of questions and then being unexpectedly called away before you find out how it ends. This is from Alan Moore who uh, wrote The Watchman. Why do we argue? Life's so fragile. A successful virus clinging to a speck of mud suspended in endless nothing. Albert Camus, the philosopher. If we believe in nothing, if nothing has any meaning, and if we can affirm no values whatsoever, then everything is possible and nothing has any importance. Cormac McCarthy in No Country for All Men. This is a, a, a much more country way to put it. The point is, there ain't no point. 
we have in, in all these an, an answer that reflects a, a certain worldview that we can't really believe there's any purpose or direction in life. Um, these views oppose the answer that we've given and the answer I believe Scripture gives. There's also some opposing viewpoints within Christianity. There's, there's, there's more than one. Uh, one of the ones that's uh, a big challenge that came uh, even within evangelical circles in the 90s is the, the viewpoint of open theism. Uh, they, they answer this question a little bit different. Uh, in, in, in open theism, there's, there's two things that I think are devalued. In open theism, God's omniscience, that is the fact that he knows all things, and God's omnipotence, that is he is all-powerful, are limited in certain ways. Certain things he knows... He might know all possibilities, or and at times he may arrange circumstances to accomplish his, his promises, but there are certain things he might not know, or he might choose not to know. Uh, to give you a definition I found from a, an open theist, somebody said, open theism is the doctrine that the future is not closed, but open. Because God is alive, eternally free, and inexhaustibly creative. Now, do you see how that differs from the answers we've given? Uh, an open theist believes that God interacts with creation, uh, that he responds to creation rather than decrees, uh, and that he can change his mind. In, in other words, God can change the mind of people, and people can change the mind of God. Now, there, there's all sorts of people on this spectrum of open theism, but to one degree or another, they deny his omniscience, that he uh, knows all things, or his omnipotence, that he is all-powerful. That he knows the future but doesn't control it. Or he could know the future, but he chooses not to. That's a really interesting one, viewpoint in open theism. They say God chooses not to know what he could know about the future. You know, it's kind of like God puts his hands over his eyes and says, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. Maybe he peeks and that's how we get prophecy. <laughs> but this, I think, is, is different than, than the view that's pre presented in, in Scripture. What do, we, what do we have in Isaiah? We have a God who from before the beginning is declaring how things are going to end. He knows all things, and what he declares, he has the ability to accomplish. As we go into creation a little bit more, we're going to be talking about how God's Word creates reality. Uh, by the way, that's a, that's a form of authority. You don't know what an earthly authority is on earth. It's somebody who says something, and then because they say it, it creates a reality. You think about laws or kings, decrees, that's an authority. God, by his word, creates realities. In contrast to the nihilism and atheism of our culture, in, in, in opposition to certain Christian viewpoints, we believe that God controls all events, past, present, and future, by his power and wisdom. We believe that the God who transcends time guides all of history through his sovereignty. 
God is not a subject to the same laws and rules that creation is. We have this emphasized, uh, especially in the book of Revelation. If you wouldn't mind, by the way, in this series, uh, we're going to be looking at multiple texts usually to come to certain conclusions. And one of the texts I want us to look at is Revelation 1.8. Revelation 1.8 has a couple of very important sayings in it. And these sayings are repeated throughout the book of Revelation. By the way, what's Revelation? The, The apocalypse of John. What's it describing? It's describing things that have not yet happened. How can we trust what's revealed in the book of Revelation? Well, let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, the, the first part of that phrase is, uh, I may mispronounce this, I'm not an English guy, uh, a merism, M-E-R-I-S-M. In, in case I'm mispronouncing it, that's how you spell it, a merism. And a merism takes two things that are at the opposite end of the spectrum to describe something that covers everything in between. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He says, I'm at the beginning and I'm after the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end, I'm everything in between. Afterwards, he says, by the way, it says, the Lord God. He is Lord and He is God. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Who is? He is present. Who was? He's in the past. Who is to come? He's in the future. And then it describes him as the Almighty. Saints, he is the Almighty in the past. He is the Almighty in the present. And he is the Almighty in the future. The reason why we can trust his word is because of who he is. It's because of his power. It's because of his knowledge. It is because he is sovereign over all history. So as we start a study on fundamentals of the faith, God's plan for everything, we can trust that what God says about everything is reliable and that the plans that He sets forth and reveals, He will accomplish through the power of His might. As we go through this, uh, we begin to see that you know God isn't just all-powerful, but that what He decrees will occur, and that there are certain things that He has decreed that He has revealed to us. And what we're doing is we're zooming way back out of, of the particulars of Scripture to see an overarching trajectory that God is working through. And in order to do this, we've divided uh, God's master plan, God's master plan over all history, God's master plan of everything, into five stages. But before we get to that, I need to cover something else. (laughs) I, I, I don't know if you think about this, but every worldview, every culture, has to answer certain questions in order for people to live. Now, we've looked at some of our culture's answers uh, to these questions, but there are really three questions that everybody has to answer uh, in order to know how to live. Uh, The questions are, 
Where did we come from? This is the question of the past. This is the question of our origin. Everybody has an origin story. Did you hear one of the ones I talked about? Life so fragile, a successful virus clinging to a speck of mud suspended in endless nothing. That successful virus is the evolutionary story of our origin. So we're just a virus that accidentally evolved and, and happened to succeed on this planet. That's an origin story. Every culture has to answer this. Where did we come from? So the second question, is that a purpose? Why are we here? How should we live? And, and by the way, the first and the third question usually orient the second question because you've got to know where you've been and where you're going to, in order to determine how to get there from where you are. The third question is the question of destiny. Where are we going? How are things all going to end? By the way, one of my favorite uh, answers to the answer of, uh, uh, by the way, Shakespeare gives it in Macbeth. Life's a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. You're alive, then you're not. Doesn't really matter what happens in between. I actually kind of like the Viking story of how things are going to end. The Viking story of how things are going to end is Ragnarok. So if you're a successful Viking, uh, it means you have died a glorious death in battle. Uh, somebody told me they were watching the, uh, this uh, thing on Vikings, and there was this older person, in, and the older person was uh, mourning because they had not been killed in battle. You know, they kept being successful in battle, and they were worried that they were going to die of old age. <laughs> and, and that that would preclude them from entering to Valhalla. And, and Valhalla was their celestial mead hall, uh, where, where everyone uh, who, who was a good Viking, who died a good, glorious battle death, would be gathered. Now, and they're, they're in, and in their legends and in their mythology, uh, you know, you're gathered to Valhalla and, uh, you know, the, all the warrior, the great warriors of earth are gathered there and gathered there until there's one final battle where there are forces of destruction and chaos that come to fight all these uh, warriors who have died in, in glorious battle to fight them. And there's going to be just one giant melee at the end of the universe. And uh, at the end of that melee, all the great warriors in Valhalla will receive the great honor of losing that battle as the world descends into chaos and disorder. That's their view of the end of the world. That's their view of destiny. So the best thing, what's going to happen at the end of the world? Those who've died valiantly are going to get to die valiantly again. It determines the way they live. You begin to understand the brutality with which they existed. So these are three questions that everybody has to answer. We're going to be looking at these questions through a five-stage model of how God works through the master plan of everything. Uh, the five stages we have, 
I want you all to commit these to memories. We're going to be going through each of these in stages as we go through God's master plan of everything. Uh, Creation, fall, redemption, proclamation, and restoration. I hope those are what I put up there. All right. Um, All right. I want you all to stay with these with me as again. Our, our job isn't just to inform, it's to equip. All right, so you ready? Creation, fall, redemption, proclamation, restoration. All right? By the way, in case you want to know where we are, we're in stage four. Um, let's say those again. Again, I, I, I want you to commit this to memory as we're going through. We're, we're going to be spending the next several weeks on creation and then moving on to fall, redemption, proclamation, and restoration. All right, one more time. This time you all say it, and I'm just going to do the numbers. Creation, fall, redemption, proclamation, restoration. All right, now I'm going to take it off there so that see if you all really got it. All right, ready? Creation, fall, redemption, proclamation, restoration. Hey, great job. You all are fast learners. It took me longer than that to learn it for myself. but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll ask you next week. Uh, now, as, as we structure this study around these five stages, uh, we've already begun uh, understanding that God controls all of history. That God controls all of time is an important under, step in understanding His rule over creation. God is the author of the master plan of everything. And he is working by his wisdom and by his power to accomplish his purposes in history. Once we know God as the author of this plan, once we know him as the one who has the power and ability to accomplish what he sets out, we can begin to trust what the scriptures describe for us in terms of what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. We're so glad you're a part of this study and looking at what God is doing, what God will do. And I hope you'll remember when you interact with people and, and you're thinking about whether or not they live with purpose, uh, that we have an answer that the world is hungry for. You know how desperate and sad those quotes are that I gave you? That instead of thinking there is no purpose, no meaning, no direction in life, we can affirm that we have a God who controls all events, past, present, and future, by His power and His wisdom. That He is accomplishing great and glorious things according to His purposes. We are worshiping that God. It is our Father's world, and He will accomplish what He has set out to do. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy poured out to us. Lord, we thank you that it was a part of your plan to redeem us, to save us, that we might have a destiny and a future, that you might rewrite the course our lives were going on. Lord, we thank you that you've saved us and redeemed us, that you have bought us with a price. We thank you for your power and your majesty. We thank you that you are sovereign over all things and that you accomplish your purposes by your power, for your glory, for all time. 
Lord, we praise you for who you are, all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do. To the glory and praise of Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I didn't have one. I didn't have one. I can't. I can't. You should have. You should have known that by now. So so much for our meeting. It lasted. Well, hey. Seven.